Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college portion of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We finally are in season here, Colin. We don't have to just make stuff up to talk about every week. Like We have actual football to discuss, to digest, to, to then uh, throw out there to the masses. It, it, it's very refreshing uh, to finally have this be the case. We were we were running on some fumes there, June, July, August, uh, uh, some weeks beyond those conference previews. To speak for yourself, I'm always bringing the content, always bringing the exciting news, um, hot takes. So you do you do have the offseason shows in a robe. I'm just saying it doesn't seem like you're all you're you're you know 100 in it. But I mean, just because I'm wearing a robe doesn't mean I'm not. It in does, it, you know. It does. I mean, I'm not camera ready, but this isn't a live show anyway, so it's fine. It's, it's exactly what it means. Um, yeah, we could never make this a live show. Um, yeah, guys. Yeah, week week zero in the books here. Um, we uh, had our full slate of in season content this week um, for the first time in a long time. It felt really, really good. Um, and just to kind of give you guys the, the 30 second refresher on what we've got going on for you, uh, while the games are happening here, college football mornings every weekday, um, 9 a.m. Eastern different topic every day, guys, uh, Colin and I are covering waiver wires every Tuesday morning. So we will be on here again this Tuesday to go through some of the names that stood out a little bit here in week zero. Um, we got other days where we're going to talk about like props or, or start sits or, or different things like that. So go ahead, check that out on our YouTube page, Campus Canton. If you haven't already over there on YouTube, uh, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, Friday Night Lights, our high school football recap show. Uh, for those that, that are already looking forward to next year, you're dealing some supplemental picks. You want to know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, Matt. Um, Matt, Matt and David, uh, put together, uh, 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 a show for you guys. And then Matt goes on and kind of just breaks down what, what happened during the week, the tailgate guys, 10 AM to noon every Saturday, uh, leading you up to the first kickoff, just going over everything you need to know on the day, guys, some storylines, matchups that we're looking for, uh, uh, potential. We have, we have a little bit of a Debbie segment every week, uh, start sits, prize picks, injury news, you name it. We talk about it for those two hours. Um, college football tonight, right after the final uh, primetime game ends, uh, a sports center style type show where we kind of just recap the action uh, that went on that day. Uh, Bet on C2C is a lot is a, a podcast that we'll be re- releasing in season, um, talking different props and betting DFS. Uh, Brandon Sanders, Chris K, and Ethan Sowers on that one. That one drops every Wednesday. Um, and then just a ton of in-season articles and other weekly content, guys. I dropped my key takeaways article this morning already. I'm going to have a, a waiver wire article coming out here shortly. Um, and we'll have different uh, rankings as well, weekly kind of, you know, to help you with your start sits. Uh, those will be available to members only of Campus to Canton. Uh, so if you want that, you're going to need to head over there to campustocanton.com uh, and you can get all of that information. Um, personally, I just... Close my eyes and points. That's how I choose my start sits, Colin. But I think um, this way uh, might be a little more fruitful for you. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I try to to at least throw, put names on a dartboard and throw at those. Um, so that way, strategy you know, too. I'm yeah. literally just throwing darts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely uh, don't blame you there. All right. Um, so for those that that have not 
been with us in season before, and we have um, really increased the the listenership here over the off season. Uh, here's how our off or our in season episodes are going to go, guys. We're going to start off with our week in review. We're going to go through a bunch of the important games, any important news uh, that came out of those. We only have a, a handful here uh, today, but this this will be a, a very long segment. These shows get to be two hours sometimes during uh, the season, guys, because there's just so much stuff to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do our weekend review, guys. We'll do some stock up, stock down. We'll, we'll each pick a couple names that, that are head trending either direction there. We'll talk some waiver wire. We'll give you some of our uh, picks for the week. Uh, we'll play a game for the first couple of the weeks called Real or Imagined, guys. We're not going to do it this week because, again, there just is not enough to talk about here to fill this segment. But what that segment is is basically we name a player and we discuss whether their production – uh, for good or for bad, is for real, um, or if it, it it will change for the better or for the worse. So, and then we do our early week start sits, and this is the one that we get uh, we have the most fun with, and we have people kind of give us the best feedback on. Here's how start sits goes, guys. We each pick uh, ten names to start, ten names to sit. When we compete against each other, I'll give the longer spiel when we get there, and we'll do that every single week. Uh, we keep track. We keep a scoreboard. I believe I barely beat you last year, Colin. If that's correct, it was like we were within like two narrow. or two or three, like either yeah. way, would, would have turned the tide. Uh, we were close all season, so we really like doing that. Uh, I think we've got some good names to start off this week. Um, let's jump right into the week zero in review here, Colin. Western Kentucky, Austin P. Uh, closer game than I think most people imagined. This was, uh, I believe, a twenty-six and a half point spread at kickoff. Um, and it, it definitely, uh, ended up a lot closer than that 38, 27 Western Kentucky, a little bit of rain in the second half, um, probably threw Western Kentucky off a little bit. Um, uh, but the first point I want to throw at you here, Colin, this offense did not look stylistically the same that it did last year. New offensive coordinator, new quarterback, new receivers. They ran the ball 32 times and they passed it 34. Last year, when I was doing my key takeaways article, I found this stat as I was going through. Last year, Western Kentucky ran the ball over 30 times once. And they do it here in the first game in a game where they we thought we'd see them kind of try to get into a rhythm, get some live reps for some of these guys. Should we be concerned that this offense is not as pass-heavy this year? And quite frankly, not as um, fast-paced either. They ran fewer plays than they did in any game last year. I think out of anything, the pace concerns me a little bit um, because, they, I mean, they were playing Austin P. Austin P is not a good team, uh, you know, so they were able to run the ball more effectively against them than, you know, than, than what we expected. And then, then I think what we will see throughout the rest of the year. Um, but I think the pace concerns me a little bit here. You know, even if they um, – you know, are able to run the ball up against these teams. And, you know, you would still think or run the score up against these teams and run the ball. You still think they'd be able to play at a quicker pace just because offenses don't typically change that that much. So that concerned me a little bit here, but it's game one. You know, I'm, I'm not really panicking here. Um, I, I'm still bullish on this offense. Again, we've been kind of saying all offseason that, this offense is probably is, this offense is not going to do what it did last year, you know, but we're thinking, you know, can we get 75% of what that offense did last year? And that I think is still in this range of outcomes, you know, for all the talk about Austin Reed 
and, and how he looked, you know, he settled down a little bit in the second half and he looked, you know, he, he threw up what 296 yards, I think three or four touchdowns. I believe, I believe it was four touchdowns. Yeah. Four touchdowns. Yeah. That's a big game still 296 and four. You know, if I'm starting that, I'm happy. So I'm not panicked yet, but the meter is, you know, the panic meter is getting into like, you know, the three, four range. I'm keeping an eye on it. Yeah, I'm not panicking either. And that was the conclusion, not to spoil my article. Go read the article anyway, even though I'm giving you one of the pieces of information. I'm not panicking yet, uh, but I do think it is slight cause for concern. I think it is slight cause for concern. You know, this offense, if they're not going to just pass the ball 50 times a game, they're a little more matchup dependent on some for some of these guys, specifically Austin Reed. You know, I think Malachi Corley will probably uh, produce pretty well no matter what the volume is. He only had like five catches on the day, but he'd have three touchdowns. So that that definitely helps him. And David Davis kind of similar, you know, six catches over 100 yards and a touchdown for him. Um, those are probably going to be the two main guys. It's, re- it's really Reed that I would worry about. And for some of the people that I saw out there spending 70, 80, 90, 100% of their FOB on Austin Reed because he was available in their league or thinking about doing so here this week when waivers run. I might be hesitant to drop that amount. I know, like, spoiler alert, like, whoever's listening to this gets a little bit of a leg up. I am not going in on him for, in the program this year, in this week. I'm not going to spend any FOB on him. I would rather pass. Um, but the program, for anybody that doesn't know, NCAA video game style league, very competitive. Um, very very tough competition. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to attempt for Austin Reed. I'll let somebody else uh, make that calculated risk. Um, yeah, I mean I I'm not going all in on him, but I'm still putting a bid in on him wherever he would be available. Because again, I think 296 and four is a very reasonable stat line that we can project from him pretty much every week. I don't know um, it's just- that reasonable though. Four four touchdowns and like thirty pass attempts. That's that's pretty efficient. Like I don't know that he'll be able to do that. And his touchdowns were not particularly impressive. Like the one to to Corley where Corley just like caught it and ran like twenty yards. Like there wasn't really anybody around and it wasn't a good throw. Um, like it just kind of happened because they were playing Austin P. Which by the way, yeah, their their students chant "Let's go P," which is freaking hilarious. I don't I don't care how <laughs> old you are. That that's really really funny. Yeah, that that is a good one. Um, And that's fair. I mean, maybe four touchdowns aren't repeatable, but I do still think that this line is uh, four touchdowns on that type of volume isn't necessarily repeatable. But I think we're going to see more passing volume. They're not going to be able to beat up on Austin P every single week. So I am still interested. I'm still buying Reed, uh, especially at a little bit of a dip which I think there is right now. Um, I would, I'm not going to go crazy for him, but 50% of my fob. Yeah. If I need a quarterback, I would throw that down. Um, Probably a third is where I'm more comfortable, but the the problem with that strategy for me is calling. If you look at a lot of the leading passers last year, like Zappy was one of the few at the top Stroud, really one of the other ones. There weren't a ton of them that had like zero rushing production. And Austin Reed will get virtually – they kind of ran a couple RPO-type plays just to keep defenses honest where he tuck it and ran for a handful of yards. He's not a rushing threat. I, I Like, that floor isn't there for him either. So I just think I, – I think it doesn't hurt the wide receivers at all too much, but I do think it's definitely going to hurt Austin Reed in the long term. But that's just my opinion. 
I'd rather I mean, have like I a Don Reese Plumley than him. Uh, yeah, I, w- I okay. Yeah, that's fair. I would probably I'd probably be at that point as well. I think we kind of talked about all the points I actually wrote down here within the context of that discussion. The only other one I wanted to toss out real quick. Uh, Malachi Corley and Daywood Davis, we kind of talked about them uh, a minute ago. We kind of talked about them when we broke down this team, saying that they were the uh, presumptive one and two in the offense. Uh, Very much the target hogs. Those two guys really dominated uh, uh, targets here. Didn't look a ton of other places. Uh, Reed didn't. Uh, Certainly didn't look at the tight end. So bad news for... uh, Hashtag your guy, Joshua Simon. Um, yeah, not 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 a great day for Simon. Maybe maybe greener uh, pastures ahead for him. I I, I think so, it's significant that the it was pretty uh, concentrated target volume, which is why I was saying earlier. Again, you know, I don't know if this is necessarily bad news for the wide receivers. I think they'll still be a solid play, although obviously maybe not the uh, Jared Stearns ceiling uh, that there was last season. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for anybody to hit Jarrett Stern's ceiling last season. But again, in a situation where we were saying, um, you know, they don't need to be 100% of what they were last year. If they're 75%, you know, we're happy with that. Yeah, we would be. Um, and we might be lucky to quite get there. But uh, we, we will see here in the long run. Uh, Nebraska Northwestern, I think, was probably the most noteworthy game, uh, a conference game, which I think is a big deal for a power power five teams here in the first week of the season they were over in ireland um thought for sure that scott frost might just get left over there after the game was over um <laughs> nebraska get kiffin'd get tarmac <laughs> they they lose this game in very nebraska fashion you know i i get uh we, we had some discussions in our discord uh that you know statistically analytically the onside kick when you're up 11 or whatever is is like you know technically adds the most expected points to whatever when your special teams have been as bad as nebraska's have over the years and you're a coach that basically cannot afford to mess this up on any level at any time they're they're watching to make sure he's not jaywalking or like spitting his gum on the street like nebraska is watching his every move and he decides you know if you didn't see the game nebraska went up 11 and then they on they the subsequently onside kick they did not get it obviously uh northwestern scored and then kind of fell apart after that. Um, I, I mean, they're going to have to fire him, right? I think I read that after after in the Indiana game this year, or yeah, the Indiana game that his buyout gets cut in half from fifteen oh, million to seven and a half million. So it's I he'd have to win every game. He's gone. And look really good doing it, or else he's going to be out of there. There's no way. I mean, I, I know there was a stack going around uh, that they flashed multiple times in the game. I believe he's three and twenty-one in uh, in one-score games. Uh, or yeah, just just absolutely abysmal in one-score games. He's terrible when leading or when trailing at the half. He just has really not been able to recapture that magic that he had at UCF uh, when they were air quote national champions. So it's the problem is so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's gone. The problem is like who do they bring in that's better? You know, I I, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, I mean, you would have, Frost was kind of like the ideal pick, right? Like Nebraska, they're yeah. kind of um, like Nebraska truthers, lifers. Like you know, if we can keep our what our whatever inside our sphere, then we're really happy to do it. And Frost, uh, obviously, with his connection to the program, uh, seemed like the ideal candidate. Didn't work out for him, so now I think you're kind of left wondering where do they go from here. I mean, I don't. Uh, 
it's it's really interesting. I was actually thinking about this a lot today, and this is like not fantasy related discussion, but I think it's an interesting one to have. So we're just going to talk about it here. You can fast forward a few minutes if you don't want want to hear like you know more talk radio ish type um, discussions here. There's not a lot that separates Nebraska from Penn State at the heart Whoa. at at its heart. If you think about it, these are not schools that are in desirable areas. Really? I mean, no offense to, to, to you, Colin, but State College is really not a destination when some of these kids get recruited by USC, by Miami, um, you know, by, by even like some of these schools in Texas. Like it, it's not, it, if, you know, visually and location-wise, this is not a, have, a, a Have you ever been to the Penn State Creamery? I have been to the Penn I State rest Creamery. my case. Have you ever rest been to the case. Greyhound Station there? I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> uh, Central PA as a whole. I mean, we're from Central PA. We can say this stuff. Uh, not yeah. not like that beautiful unless you really like corn. Um, <laughs> so, and that's kind of what you would say about Nebraska too. I mean, it's it's middle of nowhere. It's kind of an old school prestige program, but it's it's so what have you done lately? And it, honestly, there's a there was a decent chance after Joe Pa and everything that happened there that. Penn State went that way. I mean, you could have very, very easily seen a similar outcome there for them. But the difference was that Penn State managed to kind of hire a decent coach um, as kind of the bridge after that. They didn't then, you know, continuously make awful decisions and kind of, you know, each one built upon each other and, and kind of crushed that program. But I mean, this is a Nebraska program at this point that in my lifetime, since I've been like watching football, I would have had to have been, I believe, six or five or six the last time Nebraska was like, good, good, good. Like they're, they're not a program that anybody is, they're not relevant. They're not relevant. They're just not. I'm sorry for any Nebraska fans. They're just not a relevant program right now. They're really not. I mean, they are they had a really, really nice run for a long time. And then the game changed. Uh, The game became more about recruiting than developing. The game became more about flashy, uh, you know, players and and everything like that. And all these facilities and the locations and everything else the game just has changed since when they were good. And it's not really their fault that they can't keep up with everybody else. They don't have, uh, you know, the type of, of money that a school like a Texas or an A&M or a Miami, you know, some of these other schools have. So, you know, who, where maybe they're in undesirable locations, but they can throw a ton of money at this. They can't really do that. I've never been in Lincoln, Nebraska personally, but it's very clearly not Miami or USC. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, it's not their fault, but I don't know if I ever see them becoming truly relevant again, no matter who they get a coach. Yeah, I I um I think they're going to continue to struggle until they can kind of bring that program into the 21st century, um, which just might not be possible at this point. I mean, you know who else had a really good run for years? Harvard. Yeah, they're not really doing anything <laughs> college football wise anymore. I mean, these things just happen. Like you can go on a really nice run and, and things can just pass you by, you know, priorities change. Uh, you know, sit, like Nebraska's big thing was they basically like they revolutionized like strength and conditioning. Well, guess what? That's a really easy one for everybody to catch up to you. In. That, that yeah. once everyone else kind of figures that out, 
that advantage kind of uh, that's no longer there. So um, all this to say, Scott Frost probably a goner. It'll be interesting to see exactly what the fallout is there from a coaching and development standpoint. Um, Casey Thompson looked like Casey Thompson. I mean that in the nicest way and in the meanest way. Um, efficient in the first half. Took Nebraska out to the lead. We were kind of like, hey, there's Casey Thompson. He fits right in Whipple's system. Like, just like we said, you know, he's if you need him to be on time and you need him to just, you know, put the ball there and it's less than 20 yards, Casey Thompson's your guy. Unfortunately, Casey Thompson got a little full of Casey Thompson in that game, started going deep a little bit. He really can't do that very well. He threw some risky crap passes across the middle of the field, uh, got one picked off, had another one almost picked off. He just doesn't have the arm to do some of this stuff. This was a Casey Thompson in a nutshell, basically his entire career, Texas condensed into one game. Yeah. I mean, you know, sorry, Felix, but Casey Thompson's not actually good. Um, He would be better passing the ball than what um, Adrian Martinez was. And, you know, for stretches, he looked solid, but, just really, really struggled over the middle of the field at times and just putting too much heat on passes that were kind of uncatchable. And then once the tight end Vokalik went down, he just kind of really lost himself. Um, you know, I, I do expect him to be serviceable at times this year as a fantasy option, but anything more than that, that we may have been hoping for, I think we can safely put to bed. Um. Anthony Grant, I think we need to monitor this role, Colin. Um, started at running back here for Nebraska. Got the bulk of the touches when all we heard all offseason was that we thought this could be uh, a, a huge committee with some of the, the bodies they have back there. Um, what do you have, 19 carries, 100-something yards, and two touchdowns? Um, looks pretty decent on the day, too. Um, I'm not sure he'll get this every week. Um uh, Ramir Johnson, who's supposed to be their starting running back, got in a casino fight the night before the game, or maybe two nights before the game. Um, yeah, I had not, not heard that story. That's, uh, that's not interesting. Sure that, not sure that happens every week. And I thought I was dreaming. Like, I thought I dreamt somebody telling me that. So I Googled it, and it does come up um, that, that Ramir Johnson. I guess they were in Dublin when it happened, too. Um, so I don't know who allowed the players to do that in the first place. Scott, everything circles back to Scott Frost here. But um, I think we just need to keep our eyes on that. You know, he's not a guy that I'm adding off waivers this week. I believe he's 9% rostered, but um, definitely watch listing. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we talked about him um, a little bit before, um, you know, well, no, I guess it's not before. Um we talked about him a little bit here and, you know, with his role moving forward, that that's the big question mark there. I mean, it's good to see him playing in the number, well, number one, but potentially number two, once Johnson's back, um, you know, Irving, it seems like he may be fading, um, you know, and may not live up to what we were hoping for last year, pre-injury, but I, I like, you know, we'll talk about here um, a little bit later. I think Grant is a guy that we keep an eye on. We, you know, see how things shake out once Johnson does come back. Is he going to be in the doghouse? Is he just going to come back to receiving the workload that he was kind of projected to before in that like Wandale Robinson ish role that they used to have. So Grant is a guy that 
is worth keeping an eye on, but he's not, I'm not going crazy for him right now. No, uh, but I mean, he does, he has that bell cow size. Um, could, could be a guy to pay attention to there. Um, Trey Palmer, hardly know her. Um, <laughs> very nice. You very predicted nice. big volume for Trey Palmer. He did get big volume was not very efficient on the targets that he got, but he got a lot of them. I believe he had 12 on the week. Um, I mean, it's kind of the role we expected for him. He's playing in the – I think it was about two-thirds of his snaps were in the slot and the other third were on the boundary. It's a very similar breakdown to Jordan Addison's last year over the, over the course of the entire season for Pitt. Uh, in this Whipple offense, uh, and just a reminder, uh, Jordan Addison did win the Blitnikoff next year, last year. I'm not saying that Trey Palmer is going to win the Blitnikoff. I'm also not not saying that. I don't know. I, I mean, I, like you said, he wasn't the most efficient with the touches that he got and the looks that he got. And, you know, I think part of that is to blame on Casey Thompson. But the good thing is the usage we saw and they were getting him involved in a variety of ways. They got him involved on a jet sweep at times. They were moving him around. Um, so it does seem like he's going to be that wide receiver one, which is a good sign for me. I can show my face in public. Um not going to victory lap after week one, but it wasn't a face plant like uh, somebody else that we'll talk about uh, a little bit later. Um, well, somebody I'll talk about a little bit later, but yeah, it just, um, it was good to see his usage there. I think he'll be more efficient moving forward. Um, and I, he'll be a guy that you'll be able to start most weeks. I think for Northwestern um, Cam Porter and Evan Hall, a, pretty dynamic duo for Northwestern. And obviously they would not have won this game without those two. And it probably wouldn't have even been close either. Um, Hall, of course, they give me the 2021 stats here. (laughs) Come on. When when is sports reference going to roll over to 2022? Come on now. Uh, Evan Hall, 22 carries, 119 yards and a touchdown. Cam Porter had 19 carries, 94 yards and a touchdown. Um, Evan Hall also had five receptions. Both looked really, really sharp. Um, you know, obviously if those two are combining for 200 plus yards every week, Northwestern is going to be a handful to, uh, to stop at points this year. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I said it in the, uh, tailgate in the morning that, you know, uh, Northwestern's not going to be this, uh, the, the team that we have been accustomed to seeing in the even years where, you know, they actually have a good season. Like I did not think this was going to be a very good team. I still question how good Holinsky is going to be. I think that is pro- the best that we've ever seen out of him. Yeah, I don't know if he can repeat that again, but this rushing attack is something that I do think will be sustainable. They're going to have to move the ball somehow, and it seems like this rushing attack is, is going to be one that they can lean on week in and week out. Uh, you know, The Big Ten defenses are going to be tough. The defenses on the west side um, – you know, are, are, are still pretty solid as well. You know, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, teams like that over there. So they will be some t- difficult matchups at times. So these aren't going to be guys that you're going to want to start every week, especially given the touch split, but they are, uh, they're both very interesting. And yeah. Shout out to uh, RB hero RB show for uh, the Evan Hall love early in the off season. Yeah. I think this is easily the best we've seen Helensky look at at least in South Carolina. And we did have a note, you know, will the real Ryan Holinsky please stand up? Um, if you look at his, his game logs from the past uh, two years, basically, um, he doesn't have a game that even comes close to this. 
Um, last year, his best game. So he had one game where he threw 11 passes. And he did complete 72% of his passes in that, but every other game was basically 50% or lower. In this game, 27 for 38 for uh, 314 yards, two touchdowns. Honestly, he he did have a pass or two that probably should have been picked off, but overall it was a very, very good um, performance from him. Um, didn't really favor any particular uh, receiver at any particular time, kind of spread the ball around, so there's no, uh, no real receiving options that we like here. But um, this was interesting. I don't think Kalinsky will ever be a guy that I would want to roster, but if he's efficient, then I think you can um, get those running backs involved and get that offense moving enough where uh, the, they become interesting. Yeah, like I, said, I definitely think that if anything is sustainable from this offense, it's going to be the rushing attack. And if Helinski, he doesn't even have to be as good as he was. If he's even fine, then, you know, this this team could be something this year. This team could surprise some people, myself included. Let's head over to this UNC game. I think this is one of the more anticipated games of the weekend um, just because UNC has so many uh, new skill guys. Obviously, Drake May at quarterback, um, you know, replacing Sam Howell, one of the better quarterbacks in UNC history there. Um, and May has a solid debut. Debut, You know, I've seen some people around saying that he looked bad, that blah, blah, blah. Like, shut up. It's his first game in college. He looked fine. <laughs> He did what they wanted to do. Yeah, did he miss a couple passes? Sure. But he also went 29 for 37, 294 yards, five touchdowns. And he ran the he ran for 55 yards. Like, he, he was fine. The offensive line was bad. Um, they will be bad all year. And the skill position guys were not consistent. He, can Drake make it better? Sure. It's his first college start. I'm, I doubt there are that many quarterbacks that have, that have had their best game at their first start. And then, you know, just like it, it's going to take some time to build up here for him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this was his first start ever. You know, what exactly were you expecting from him? And yeah, F Florida A&M, not exactly a good team. You know, this wasn't a real test, but it was a good warm-up game for him. You know, he was he got in there. He did what you wanted to see him do. Um, like you guys talked about on College Fantasy Tonight, on College Football Tonight, uh, after the games, you know, if he doesn't show this, if he doesn't have the stats that he does and doesn't play well, this is a different story. You know, you can write off him beating up a bad team, but if he looks bad against a bad team, that opens the door. And I think the most important takeaway from this is he pretty clearly has that job, at least for the foreseeable future here. You know, I don't think we're going to see Jacoby Criswell overtake him based on that performance on this one. Well, I mean, with the, the the opponent being who it was, I'm really surprised that that we didn't get to see a lot of Jacoby Criswell, but yeah. we really didn't. I mean, May played basically this whole game, which leads me to believe he did play this whole game, which leads me to believe that they wanted to get him live reps because they believe in him. He's the guy. We thought they might rotate a little bit. I believe Criswell did have like a uh, a long, like a 20 yard rush or something like that at one point. But he didn't throw a single pass. It was it was all May. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting. I, um, I, I, his connection with Josh Downs is still there. Um, Downs was the most targeted guy on the offense. He had 12 targets on the day. The next closest guy had five on their team. So for anybody that was worried about the connection to whoever the quarterback was there for him coming into the year, for fantasy purposes, I think he's going to be fine. He had another nice night. He had a touchdown, a couple nice catches. Uh, and I don't think it's going to hurt his draft stock either. 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to hurt his draft stock at all either. I mean, I, we're concerned a little bit about the, you know, how that stock's going to end up being, but this game I don't think is going to have any sort of an impact on that. I think we're going to need to see, you know, size and how he tests and all that other kind of stuff too for for to have any sort of a an impact on that. I know there's some believers out there for sure. Um I'm a little bit lower than others, but you know, I can come around. We'll see how yeah. it plays out this season. Yeah, you're a hey. Everybody can get day two draft capital except for Josh Downs and Sean Tucker. You heard it here from Colin say, Decker say, first. Send him hate mail, folks. I'll DM you his address if you ask me for it. I didn't say anything about Josh Downs that. not getting day two draft capital. But we're going to need to see it with some of the size. <laughs> but I'm not not saying. Yeah, okay. No, it, I, it, I hear you. In all seriousness, I do think he can get day two draft capital. I think it's all but guaranteed at this yeah. point. Um, yes. Hampton and Petaway. Amari and Hampton, George Petaway, true freshman running backs there. We talked all offseason that Petaway had a role, and it was going to be his role no matter what, and it was. Um, he had that receiving back role. Um, four carries for 51 yards, had a catch as well, was on the field for a bunch of snaps, and he looked pretty dynamic. He looked good. He had a touchdown. Um, Hampton we were less high on because we thought he was going to have to wait a year. And then British Brooks went down with seizing and ending knee injury. And that basically put the kibosh on those thoughts because the rest of the backs on the roster aren't very good. You have DJ Jones, who was the nominal starter. He went out and got the first carry, uh, went like one yard and then sat on the bench until the end of the game. Um, your other options are Caleb Hood, who we, again, we liked last year. Didn't take advantage of any of his, any of his opportunity. We were pretty sure he's not very good coming into this year. Elijah Green, similar, you know, probably not very good. Um, it's really Hampton and Petaway, and there's not a lot of depth behind them. So UNC is going to be hoping and praying that those two guys, two guys stay healthy. If you want to hear a really good breakdown on the how the two of them looked, uh, go check out the Chasing the Natty podcast. About 12 minutes in or so, I believe they talk about it um, uh, on our podcast feed here. Uh, Jared Palmgren had Nate Marquise on this week. Uh, he is also a noted Amarion Hampton hater, so I feel like we're basically brothers. Um, and um, Hampton looked fine. But it wasn't like he was. I mean, he was blowing away an FAMU defense. So, like, stock doesn't really move on either of these guys because they kind of did what we expected them to do against a, a bad team, missing twenty players um, that were apparently ineligible. Like, I, we we still don't know the whole story there. I think something's going to come out later that'll be interesting on that. Yeah, I saw something that they like penned a letter saying that it was like on their athletics department or something like that. Um, but yeah, not really much of a, a stock change here. You know, at Hampton, the biggest takeaway for me out of this is the Hampton's workload. He got the pretty clearly the bulk of the carries here, 18 carries. Um, I think the next highest person had like four or five, um, you know, so pretty clearly the, the operated as the RB1, at least on the ground here. So that I think is at least significant to take away, you know kind of what we thought might happen given British Brooks going down, but there were some other bodies on the, on the back there, you know, DJ Jones, um, Caleb hood. So they had some other guys there, but Hampton operating pretty clearly ahead of them. So if there's any takeaway from here, it's that I'm still slightly skeptical on the Amari and Hampton hype here. I think he's still kind of limited, particularly as an athlete, but, See how it plays on, you know, chalk one up week one for the Omari and Hampton truthers. No, nah, I'm not giving them anything. And it is notable just by the way that they didn't target him at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So just something to watch. I mean, week one, obviously, or week zero, we don't have enough information to know whether that'll be a trend or not. But um, certainly worth uh, monitoring because Javante Williams got targeted there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, for people wanting to make that comp a little premature until we, we get a few more games in here and see. Um, some other just assorted uh, news and notes here from around college football. Um, Chase Brown, running back at Illinois, he won Campus to Canton's uh, Player of the Week. Um, he looks like a very enticing option this season if Josh McCray is done for the year. And that was kind of why I was hesitant on him because I thought that McCray would would eat into that backfield a little bit. And quite frankly, Illinois still isn't very good. Like, they didn't dominate Wyoming. Chase Brown dominated Wyoming, but Illinois didn't didn't dominate Wyoming. That's going to be one of their easier games of the season. Um, but I do think Brown, if he's the, the lone man standing back there, it, uh, it's pretty much wheels up for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know that Bielma, this offense, we know they're going to run the ball and that's really where they're going to build their identity around. If McCray is done for the year, Brown is not last man standing. Cause um, you know, they have somebody else on that roster that was like, okay. Last year in some relief work, his name's escaping me right now, but it's going to be a very, very heavy dose of Brown. Um, I, I'm with you. I, that's kind of why I was off of Brown a little bit. I was a little bit lower on him because McCray, big guy, he's like six foot, 220, pretty good uh, athlete. You know, I thought he was going to eat into those carries a little bit more. We'll see what that injury ends up being. But for at least the next week or two, I think it's going to be wheels up Chase Brown, like in a pretty big way. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Ricky White, uh, wide receiver for UNLV. You may remember him from his uh, limited cameo at Michigan State two years ago, where he basically came out of nowhere in the middle of the season, absolutely destroyed Michigan, and then um, just kind of faded back into the the whatever. Like, we never heard from him again. Um, sat out last offseason, didn't transfer to UNLV, uh, along with his high school quarterback, Harrison Bailey, little-known fact. Um, Bailey's not the starter there. It's Doug Brumfield, and he, he can be a topic for another day. He looked okay. Um, but Ricky White, I mean, eight catches, 180-ish yards and two touchdowns, like explosive, explosive day uh, through the air for him. I think he's a guy where he's like 8 9 10% roster on fan tracks. I'm, uh, I'm paying attention to that. If he's on my waiver wire and I have some waiver ad, uh, ads to burn, uh, that's a guy that I'm definitely, definitely, definitely going after. Yeah. Um, if, you know, if it's a unlimited waiver wire league, yes, hundred percent. Uh, if it's limited waiver wire pickups, then I'm a little bit more skeptical uh, on Ricky white. I mean, this UNLV team absolutely blew the doors off of a bad Idaho state team. I think it's much more likely that UNLV is the team getting the doors blown off of them, you know, in more matchups than not. Uh, than it is for them to repeat this type of a performance. But I do think Ricky White will be the focal point of that offense. I think he's pretty clearly the best player on that offense. Oh, yeah. So, so you know, if they're in some game bad game script, he can still get some really good volume. The question is, you know, how good is Doug Brumfield in that quarterback play going to be? I need to see it against somebody better than uh, Idaho State before I would make any sort of a significant investment in him. Um, but if you have unlimited waiver pickups, I think he's absolutely worth a speculative ad. Um, last little piece of news here, Utah State. Uh, we were really curious about how the wide receiver uh, snap slash target distribution would shake out. Um, in terms of uh, snaps, McGriff and Cobbs dominated. Uh, 88 
uh, total snaps. And I believe they were they both had over 80. Um, next closest was uh, Kyle Van Leeuwen, your guy, Colin, um, uh, down in the 50s. Uh, and then Cobbs had the most targets. He he um, he was kind of the possession guy. They looked from a griff in the red zone. Um, so I, you know, we we speculated, you know, which guy is which? Who do we want here? Uh, it looks like Cobbs, at least after week zero, is the receiver that might be the most consistent week in week out. And the McGriff uh, might be a little touchdown dependent. And he did have a touchdown this week, so he did ended up working out for him. Yeah, I think that the the biggest takeaway here is the target distribution and the snap share that we saw. Um, that you said. Cobbs, McGriff, basically every down players. And then Kyle Van Leeuwen was there too. He was, you know, on the field more often than he wasn't, but he wasn't on the field quite as often as we thought he would. You know, this is a team that ran a lot of three wide receiver sets last year. They didn't run quite as many this year. So where last year, the, you know, Devin Tompkins was the slot guy and just absolutely dominated the targets. I believe he had like 161 targets last year. We're not going to see that out of the slot again this year, I don't think. If a, if game one is any indication, I mean, I don't think we're going to be able to take a ton away from game two either against Alabama. Um, so we're probably really going to have to wait until week three until we can get a good feel for, you know, what the target distribution beyond Cobbs is going to look like. Um, yeah, and with that, uh, we'll end week zero review. Some better games to talk about next week, guys, although some of these certainly uh, – provoked some interesting discussion um before we get into stock up stock down here guys uh just a reminder that we are part of the fantasy points media group uh, a ton of other great pods over there and i believe there's uh this week they're announcing a new show over there as well i actually don't know what the show is Ooh. um so i will be just as surprised as everybody else but if you want to follow all of those shows in one place at fantasy points live on twitter um you can check out their weekly friday drop that recaps the week in the fantasy points media group and if you're just looking for some extra um college fantasy content on top of what you're getting over at campuscanton.com promo code campus 22 gets you 10% off uh, over there. If you sign up um, stock up, stock down here, Colin, um, let's get into this. Uh, we each pick two names slash position groups. You pick the school. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I did not did pick not, a school. You wrote UTEP for oh, one of them. Oh, that is a oh. school. All right. Okay. Well, first of all, this. first of all, spoiler on the show sheet. I thought we were talking about just straight stock ups, so or we were going to start there. Spoiler on the show sheet, by the way. Uh, wow. But, now, now the people are just going to fast forward through this because they know you're going to talk about UTEP at some point. You're right. I, I messed this up. Everybody. You're going to talk about UTEP too, just in a very uh -huh. different light. <laughs> yeah, I didn't just write <laughs> UTEP. Stop down the whole school. <laughs> if you applied there, you fucked. Sorry. All right. Well, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get into it here now. Uh, if anybody watched the tailgate, uh, I was I was still in the minors. Picks up. I thought that you know they could give UN uh, North Texas a fight. You know their their rush defense last year was actually pretty good. And then they, they the rush defense wasn't what let them down. They let Austin Ani throw for like three hundred yards, almost three hundred yards against them. Um, that's kind of, you know, if you let Austin Oni do that, that's kind of where the problem lies, but they got the doors blown off of them. Uh, I am off of, I'm off of UTEP this year. They were, they were great last year. They're great covering the spread. Um, I'm off them this year. So it's not fantasy related. It's more betting related, but still. All right. We're starting to stock down. Perfect. We are. We're negative <laughs> over here. Very negative. Okay. All right. So we get to, we get to hate first. Um, that's my. 
my default hate, position. Hate, 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 hate. Yes. I knew you'd go there. Um, so my first knockdown is Braden Shager, quarterback at Hawaii. We talked a little bit about when we did the Hawaii um, breakdown in the Mountain West that we were kind of excited for Shager as like an end of bench type guy. Um, with Timmy Chang there as offense or as the head coach. Uh, as a player, has extensive uh, history in kind of the air raid. And then as a coach, uh, has bounced around to some very prolific air raid or air raid ish spread style offenses. Uh, might just be a year too early and they might not have their quarterback yet. Um, it was Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt, you know, like they, they're terrible in the sec. Maybe they would be, they would look average somewhere else. Um, but 18 for 35, you know, 161 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions either though. So he did get benched for Joey Yellen late in that game, uh, who I can tell you as a pit fan is not good. So that is not good. Uh, I think it'll still be uh, Shaker's job. I think they just kind of yanked him to uh, to preserve some of his dignity. Um, but I think anybody expecting this offense to kind of be really explosive this year, you know, maybe be one of those sneaky come out of nowhere offenses. I'm not so sure. And I think Hawaii might be looking for another quarterback this offseason to kind of run this system. So um, if you thought Shaker might be there for a couple of years, you know, really grow into this thing. In fairness, Timmy Chang's first year wasn't great either, although it was certainly better than what we saw at a Braden Shager <laughs> night one. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to write Shager off just yet. Um, I, I do think Vanderbilt, again, like you said, SEC team, Vanderbilt has a solid defense. They have some really nice pieces on that defense. Mahoney in the secondary is good. Um, Orgy at the linebacker is a good player too. Clark Lee's specialty is defense. This is also week one. Uh, of a team that was in shambles last year. They're kind of rebuilding things. So I'm not off of Shager yet, but I'm definitely tempering expectations. And if he's available on your waiver wire, you can leave him there this week. Um, stock down uh, number two, calling a guy that I, so just for the record, I called this guy dead on the show like four weeks ago and you poo-pooed me. Now apparently you're willing to, you're willing to, to toss some dirt on the hole here too. Yeah, I mean, he so the guy that uh, my my second stock down here is Gabe Irvin, running back, Nebraska. Um, like you said, with with Johnson, he did not play in that game. Uh, apparently, got in a fight at a casino, allegedly. Um, and it was really all the Anthony Grant show after that. You know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, 1901, two touchdowns, really nice day. Gabe Irvin didn't see a single offensive snap he had four snaps all game they were all on punt return i was hoping you were gonna say they were on defense <laughs> no they were on punt he return. laid this dude <laughs> out <laughs> no he did not. um so uh, it's disappointing that you know johnson's not there they have to go with somebody else and he can't even get on the field uh you know irving had a little bit of buzz here that maybe he was getting back you know he was looking decent in, uh, in in camp here in fall camp. And this goose egg in this situation, I'm ready to put an, a nail in that coffin too. Um, I put as my stock down this one, Austin Reed is my, is my last stock down here. Um, and quite frankly, this isn't like a, we're burying him. Like maybe we are burying Irvin or Shager or the entire town of El Paso. <laughs> um, but um, like we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, we we were curious to see what the second iteration of this offense would look like at Western Kentucky. They brought over 
everything. Like this was a ready-made plug and play. Like they bought a furnished house. Came with everything. It came with all the beds, came with all the tables. It came with the freaking pie in the oven when you bought it and you walked in. It smelled <laughs> like apple pie. It just comes wafting through the, through the door as you walk in. It, it all came together. It all came perfectly. And then they have to replace a lot of the stuff after a year because it's all gone now. The offensive coordinator's gone. The quarterback's gone. Top two receivers are gone. Um, obviously, you know, the offensive coordinator is an in-house hire. He was an offensive assistant last year. He's still the same head coach. And you do still have, uh, you know, Josh Simon was there last year, um, as was, um, um, you know, Corley. And they just didn't really play a ton. So there were guys here, but it's not quite the same. I wanted to see what would this offense look like. It didn't look exciting. And it was a lot having to do with the play calling, which I think is scarier. Like if Austin Regis looked like crap, I could just say maybe, oh, it was first game jitters. Like it was a very poorly called game. That makes me very nervous. Did they catch lightning in a bottle because of Zach Kitley? Makes me feel a little bit better about maybe some of the guys at Texas Tech I was buying into here. We'll see what they look like this week. Um, but I, it's, I think the stock down for Austin Reed, I don't think he's a plug-and-play starter. I think he's going to be matchup dependent. And they, they, they don't play the hardest schedule in the world. Um, but Bailey Zappi, was just, you just set him in your lineup and you forgot about him until the end of the year, except for his bye week. You moved him. Um, so I, I don't think Reed will be that same case. I advocated earlier. I'm I, in a couple of my leagues, like he's available. I'm probably not going to put a bid in on him this week. I'll probably let somebody else spend 70, 80, 90%. Like I've seen people talking about, uh, that's just not, that's a little too pricey for me. It just is. Yeah. That's a little bit too pricey for me. Again, he's another guy that I'm not ready to bury yet. Um, like we've been saying if they get, if we get 75% of what that offense was last year, you know, that's pretty good. That's kind of you know, what we're hoping for more or less, you know, we knew this was not going to be the exact same offense from last year, but like you touched on, it is a little bit concerning that, but the play calling there, the, the pass run split a little bit concerning. Now it, it's against Austin P. So, you know, we'll see how that ends up looking against an FBS team, but it is definitely something to monitor. It's a narrative to monitor is what this offensive uh, game plan looks like moving forward and what that run pass split is because if they aren't throwing with the volume that we were expecting then definitely a concern for probably everybody in this offense although I still think there will be these guys will be startable uh, for your team they just might not have the ceiling that we were hoping for yeah let's go P um, stock up Colin uh, who, who, uh, who helped themselves out this week? Well, I mean, if we hadn't jumped around the show sheet here, uh, this would have made for a pretty nice transition, but alas, here we are stock up for me. Who's, week one. Whose fault is this? You, you, you spoiled the show sheet. You brought up UTEP way too early. Then we had to dive into it. I had to talk about it. I forgot that there's a specific minute mark. I had to wait till, till I said UTEP. I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah. That's my, it's on me as a contractually obligated. Oh God, I'm going to get sued. Stock, stock up number one for me, Brian Cobbs, wide receiver, Utah state. Like we talked about a little bit, it was a little bit concerning with the run pass split for them as well. Kind of like it was for Western Kentucky. They ran the ball a little bit more than what we were expecting. Um, But Brian Cobbs, like we said, dominated the targets. And that's what we want to see. Somebody from a Blake Anderson, one of these wide receivers in a Blake Anderson offense is going to be, you know, a guy that you want to start 
every single week. It seems like Brian Cobbs is going to be that guy. So this offense may not look exactly like it did last year, but I think we can rely on Cobbs as a week in week out starter. He was projected to be, you know, starting on the outside with him and McGriff. Um, but this was a team that ran more three wide receiver sets last year. So we were thought that the slot would be more heavily involved. doesn't seem like that's going to be quite as heavily involved as what we were thinking. So stock up for Cobbs. Yeah. And I have stock up for the Carolina running backs. We talked a lot about them earlier, so I'm not going to go uh, too much into this, um, but they out snapped their teammates. They outproduced their teammates. They both looked the best of the, the four or five guys that they ruled out there. Um, and I think they're going to be, uh, allowed to kind of grow into it over the, the course of the year. Um, so stock up on both of the UNC running backs. Stock up number two, Colin. Um, you also like a particular running back group. I do. Uh, I do like a different running back group there. This is a Florida State running back group. Um, look, Mike Norvell is known for his rushing attacks. You know, when he was at Memphis, he had multiple, multiple running backs each year. Uh, be guys who were fantasy relevant and then go on to have NFL success as well. Got from Tony Pollard to Darrell Henderson, to Kenny Gainwell, Antonio Gibson. All of those guys really made their mark under Norvell, you know, and we haven't really seen it at uh, Florida state quite as much as we, you know, would have liked to Deshaun Corbin had a very nice year last year. Um, but this year, it seems like at least early on in the season here through one week, uh, you know, it seems like this rushing attack will be back to what we're expecting from Mike Norvell offenses. Now, they play Duquesne. Duquesne, very lovely campus, very lovely city. You don't have not to lie. Good, Duquesne's not... <laughs> campus is not pretty. I just didn't want you to yell at me. Uh, no, I, I would I would affectionately call them oh, like okay. the third best school in Pittsburgh, maybe. But, okay. Well, but... what's, what's number two, Carnegie Mellon? Pitt's probably number two. Carnegie Mellon's probably number one. If oh, we're talking okay. like pure academics, I mean, at Carnegie Mellon's like a top 10 university in the country. But Okay. All right. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, so Duquesne, not a good football team at all. Even really for, you know, the FCS level, not like a good team. No, they stink. They stink. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're not going to see these same stats every single week. But Treshawn Ward, 14 carries, 127 yards, two touchdowns. Lawrence Toafili, 13 carries, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Trey Benson, 11 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. The point is, all of these guys were hyper-efficient. I think we can expect some good efficiency moving forward. We're not going to have 300-yard rushers every week. Um, but, you know, this was the first time in school history that three guys did go for 100 yards. So we're, we're not going to see this week in and week out. But these running backs... And Mike Norvell's offense, I think we're getting to the point where it's back. So stock up. Oh, FSU's back. You heard it here, guys. The running back room. After after Chris spent uh, five minutes on the tailgate this weekend talking about how USC, Texas, Miami, and Miami are all back, which is just like trying to hit a really sh shitty parlay. Um, good luck to Chris on that throw one. florida state in there and your odds oh, are, you're gonna make going a ton to. of money if they if they hit too <laughs> don't put a lot back. of money on that don't put a lot of money on that kids that's uh, like a one dollar <laughs> uh uh last one here tyron smith wide receiver uh for utep um i think that we assumed generally that he would probably be if not the leading wide receiver uh there for 
uh, UTEP this year that he would be won't be a you know a a serious contributor. Uh, seven catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown this weekend. He's an undersized guy. He's like 5'7", 175. Has a couple years of eligibility left. He's listed as a redshirt sophomore on their website. Um, but look, guys, this UTEP team is really bad. Colin just talked about it in stock down. Um, they're going to have to pass the ball a lot. They have competent quarterback playing and Hardison there. Um, so they'll have to throw the ball a lot. And they'll probably be reasonably effective doing it when they're behind 30. Um, so I think Smith will be a beneficiary there. He had the most targets in all of FBS this week with 16, and he had the highest uh, target share with uh, right around 33%. I believe they had 48 total um, uh, targets, so that would uh, track there, doing that quick math in my head. Um, so I think Smith's a really interesting guy. We're going to talk about him when we talk waiver wire here in a second, uh, but don't be surprised if he gets picked up in some leagues this week if people have a bench spot or or uh, somebody on their roster, they're just, you know, a quarterback that lost his competition and they're just ready to get rid of him. Colin probably has got six of these guys keyed up to get rid of uh, tomorrow morning when some waivers start going through. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of Jared Dogie that I got to drop. See Dogie. Get <laughs> a lot along, of Dogie. Dogie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, waiver wire. Uh, so. <laughs> As we mentioned, weekly segment. I just was going to let you laugh for a second. It really, you know, made me feel good about myself. Um, that's actually why I married my wife, because she laughs at the stuff I say like that, too. Uh, that's why you're my ideas. podcast host, because oh, okay. okay. you, uh, you're similar. Um, so we're usually going to highlight guys that are under uh, – they're pretty low roster ship numbers in this segment, guys, because if you look at fan tracks and it says this guy is like 20% rostered, in a C2C league, he might be 60%, 70% rostered and maybe even higher because our the, those leagues tend to be a little deeper. They are less redraft in 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 you know in, in total. So a lot of these guys that maybe are like stash, like let's wait and see guys are probably already rostered. So we usually like to talk about maybe 5%, 10%, max 15% is kind of the wheelhouse we want to stay in. We'll occasionally go above that. We do have one name here today because it was kind of some slim pickings. Right. Um but we're just going to you know, we've got three guys this week that we think are are worthy of being added. If you need somebody, we've got some guys to watch list, and we do just want to give you the caveat here. Um, when we're going to we we mentioned this, we're on the uh, the morning show tomorrow talking waivers as well, and we're going to talk about it uh, on YouTube tomorrow. I forgot what I was going to say. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> we are on one tonight. It, I haven't even been drinking or anything. Um, Me either. If if you don't have unlimited waivers in your league or like, you know, some sort of limitation, basically, I might still even double, you know, check before I pick any of these guys up. You know, yeah. the nature of it being week zero that a lot of these guys didn't really play very good opposition. Got a lot of season ahead of you. You might have a crack or two you need to fill later in the year. Um, so I'm not going out of my way to like break the bank to grab any of these guys, except except for David Davis, who's the first name here on the list. Uh, aforementioned wide receiver, wide, uh, Western Kentucky. Led them in receiving on the day, six for 124 and one. He's 25% rostered on fan tracks. But as Jared uh, Palmgren, our CFF lead, so eloquently has been saying this past week, he is the third most rostered wide receiver on that team. He shouldn't be. He should be second most. He should he should be be rostered over Jalen Hall, uh, the guy that's ahead of him. Um, I think he can. He has a chance to to do this every week. He is the explosive big play guy, but he's still going to see decent volume. They're going to pass it to. It looks like two, maybe three guys. He's in that group. 
Um, so I think Davis is a guy where maybe I would consider going up to, you know, 30, 40, 50% on him. Wouldn't go higher than that. Um, and if it's unlimited waivers, then like, yeah, like you should be going for him immediately. You shouldn't even have even need to listen to this. You should have just gone to players and sorted by, you know, points this week and, and noticed that there was something going on there. Yeah. I mean, like you said, he's a little bit higher ownership than what we're normally going to have. So he may not be available in your league, but if you drafted earlier in the off season, if you drafted in May, June, you know, somewhere around there, there's a good chance he might be available because there was some un- uncertainty as, as far as who was really going to serve that outside role, whether it was him or Jalen Hall. So yeah. he may be available in your leagues. And if he is, I'm right there with you. I'm willing, I'm spending a third. I would, if I'm really need a wide receiver and you know, the rest of my team is really solid, I would spend up to 50% as well, depending on in the right situation. Um, but I'm picking him up this week. Even if I have limited waivers, if he's on my waiver wire, uh, I'm putting in a claim for him. Even if I only get four all year, because I I'm pretty confident that he's going to be somebody that you can start week in and week out. Um, yeah, he's not available in any leagues that we're in together, Colin. I just wouldn't check if I were you. Um, oh, thanks. Appreciate that. I'll just completely ignore it. Won't won't even look. Good man. Ricky White, Colin, do you want to talk about Ricky White a little bit? You talked about him earlier. 8% rostered on fan tracks here. Yeah, um, you know, big game this game. 8 for 182, two touchdowns. You know, this is not going to be a really repeatable performance. You know, if he puts up another stat line like this again, I'll be very surprised. It was kind of a culmination of just the bad defense that they were playing and Doug Brumfield for whatever reason, playing out of his mind, which apparently is a trend in week zero with Doug Brumfield and and Holinsky. But, uh, you know, Ricky white, pretty clearly the best player on that team. This team may not be very good moving forward, but presents an opportunity for a lot of garbage time stats for him. So he's a guy that if I have limited waiver pickups, I'm probably not picking him up this week. I would want to see it again against some better competition, but if I have unlimited waiver pickups, then yeah, I'm absolutely going to pick him up this week. Yep. Sure. Um, Tyron Smith. I talked about him earlier, seven, one twenty-seven and one. He's the last guy. And again, this is like a, this is a guy I probably am only picking up if I have unlimited unless my wide receiver room is just really, really, really in trouble. Um, and I'm not spending more than five, maybe 10% max on, on him. But I do think he's a guy worth monitoring um, because again, they're off. Like the team is not good. They're going to pass a lot this year. They have a decent quarterback, like all these things together, I think makes the top option there uh, fairly attractive, but I'm not breaking the bank to go get him. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. Um, not a guy that I'm, I'm spending more than five to 10% on and only in unlimited waiver pickups. We do have uh, five names here that we believe should be watch listed as well. We've already mentioned a couple of these throughout the show, Colin. We talked about Anthony Grant earlier, the running back at Nebraska, a guy that maybe we watch. He's 9% rostered on fan tracks right now. And again, he's really one where we want to see, you know, is there another casino fight this week? Does Gabe Irving get back on the field? A lot of different factors into play. So I definitely don't advocate getting him. Um, But our, our guy, Nathan Carter over there at UConn could be an interesting guy. Yeah, Nathan Carter, running back, UConn, uh, 6% owned on fan tracks there. So this is more in our wheelhouse as far as um, rostership owned, owned here. But um, yeah, he looked he looked good week, week zero. 
20 carries, 190 yards, one catch for uh, for 10 yards, so 200 all-purpose yards there. Didn't get in the end zone, but you got to figure if he's getting 20-plus touches and going for 200 yards, uh, you would expect him to get in the end zone. So probably some positive touchdown regression coming throughout the year this year. One of the big takeaways, though, and one of the things that most that's most appealing about him is, you know, one, wide receiver Cam Ross goes down before the season starts. Um, two, Taquan Roberson, starting quarterback, goes down. Um, you know, they bring in Zion Turner, true freshman behind there. And then three, the second wide receiver um, behind Ross went down as well. So he's kind of last man standing in this offense. I don't predict you kind of be particularly good this year, but somebody's got to get the yards for him on offense. And I think it could be Nathan Carter. Definitely think he's a watch list guy. I'm probably not picking him up just yet. But uh, if you're in a real pinch at running back, you could do worse. Way worse. Uh, speaking of being able to do worse, so I don't know. Calvin Tyler Jr., running back from Utah State. Do we know if he's worse or not? I, I don't know. 33 carries though on the week, 161 yards, uh, and then had two catches for 33 yards. I don't know if we can project this type of volume for him every week. But if we can, he's a really interesting guy there. And you know, Utah State can move the ball a little bit. They played UConn, so you know, not a lot of opposition. But 9% roster on fan tracks. Another guy, again, don't add him. Watch list him. Keep an eye on him. If he does this once or twice more, then I think maybe you're safe uh, to go ahead and take a look at him. Uh, another guy that's just very, very clearly a watch list guy right now. Um, I would not even consider really picking him up. Uh, is Doug Brumfield, quarterback for UNLV. Uh, He's 1% owned. Uh, He went 21 of 25 for 356 yards and four touchdowns. That's probably more, that's that's a better completion percentage than he has probably ever had in his entire life. Like I've never won all all of his games, but I feel pretty confident in that one. Uh, In terms of yards and touchdowns too, he might not even have thrown for that last year. I don't know, but this is very, very clearly his best game is what I'm getting at here. And it's against a very bad Idaho state team. I would be very surprised if we saw another performance like this again this year. So definitely just a watch list guy. I'm not picking him up even in a 24 team league start three QB. I, I have him in a 28 team, right? You have him in a 28 team. Well, I yeah. said 24. So there you go. Yeah. He's my, he's my, my QB three. I waited on QB. <laughs> Not too long in that draft. <laughs> sell him, <laughs> sell him, sell him immediately for anything you can get. Um, but yeah, very, very clearly just a watch list guy. Uh, speaking of just a watch list guy, uh, Mike Wright, quarterback from uh, uh, Vanderbilt. There, um, look, I think he's a really cool story and seems like a really cool kid. Um, but they don't get to play Hawaii every week, and actually, they pretty much get to play the opposite of Hawaii every week. So, uh, might might not be great for him long term. Two percent rostered, uh, thirteen for twenty one this week for one hundred and forty six yards and two touchdowns, and then and here's the kicker: thirteen carries for one hundred and sixty three yards and two touchdowns. He's very very much a a guy that has a floor because of what he's going to do on the ground. Does it translate against SEC competition? He had a couple games at the end of last year, and he, he did put up some rushing numbers, so we'll see. But probably not a guy that I want to start a ton, and there's no NFL upside here. So if he, you know, if he's not filling either of those two roles, then it's probably kind of a wasted bench spot again, unless you're in you know, you that 24 team or whatever the column was talking about. You're probably not uh, going to look for him. 
So, um, yeah, Mike, Mike Wright watch list, but I, this, there's a very decent chance this was his best game or, or one of his best two games for the season. Yeah, I feel pretty confident that this is one of his best games of the season. I mean, he may throw for more pass yards in other games, uh, 146 in this one, which didn't even hit the original prop line of uh, 150.5 when it opened. Um, so, you know, that was kind of disappointing there, but the rushing total is what keeps the rushing ability is what keeps him relevant here. And like you said, he's not going to play Hawaii every week. His schedule is going to get much, much more difficult. But if we're talking players that I would pick up, I would pick him up before I would pick up Doug Brumfield. There you have it. Uh, I think I'd rather have Brumfield. Their schedule is just so bad. But their team's really bad. You're really bad, bro. Um, <laughs> all right. So start sits. I know this is what the people really, really want here. Um, so whoop, let's go whoop. ahead. Let's go ahead and do the uh, the. I don't know if you could hear me rubbing my hands together, but I did it right next to the mic, so you could get a video. Uh, yeah, now he's now he's stretching. It's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> all right, so here's how start sits go. As I mentioned earlier, Colin and I each pick ten players uh, for starts, ten players for sits. We do not show these lists to each other ahead of time. These are non-obvious answers, guys. We're not going to say um, start Bijan Robinson this week against. Um, everybody knows who Bijan Robinson is. Everybody knows that he's probably a good play pretty much every single week there for Texas at running back. My grandma knows, you know, we always talk Gam Gam loves Bijan Robinson. If Gam Gam can start him, you can too. That's not going to be the name that we're that we're using for the starts and then for the sits. It could be a sit Bijan Robinson. It's going to be sit guys that it's going to hurt to do it, but it might be end up being the better play for you so we uh we do these that rapid fire 30 seconds or less kind of explanation for all of them just go back and forth here we do keep score we keep track uh the cutoff is uh 20 fantasy points is a uh hit if, if they if they get over that and we, and we said start that's a hit and if it's fewer than what 12 or 15 points I think we said fewer than 12, and for quarterbacks, it was fewer than 15. That sounds right. Yeah. Sounds like, right. It, basically, they just have to crap the bed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we finished around 60% last year on these, which I think was pretty good. Yeah, um, I was very happy with that. Yeah, these are supposed to be difficult decisions. If you have uh, you know more complex decisions to make throughout the week, and you're a member at campuscant.com, you can certainly draft the uh, drop those in the Discord. Um, one of us or one of the hundreds of other people in the Discord uh, we'll give you their thoughts on that decision. Um, all right, Colin, let, let's fire it up. Uh, I believe you always lead on starts and I always lead on sits. Sounds so right. Your first start. Give it to me. My first start. Uh, I have to have to, has to be my first guy here. Has um, to be, has, has to be, be. Jalen McMillan wide receiver oh, for no. Washington <laughs> going up against Kent state. Here we go. Here we go. Kent state. Let up the 15th most passed yards last year. 15th worst uh, in pass yards against. They were worse than 100th in every single advanced defensive statistic on football outwider, outsiders from last year. This is a very, very bad defense. Don't think this defense got any better this year. But Washington did get better. They bring in DeBoer. They're going to throw the ball more. Michael Penix, not great, but... I'm still confident in Jalen McMillan. Fire him up. 
Well, I will I will see your hashtag my guy and I will raise you a hashtag my guy. Ooh. Start Ontario Brown this week, running back from Northern Illinois. Um recently named the starter for NIU. They did release um the depth charts today. I guess we probably should have led the show off with that. Today's like depth chart Monday. Yeah. There are a, a ton of depth charts floating around. If, if you go on Twitter, if you're looking for one, just search Baylor depth chart. NIU depth, like almost every school released them. So um we didn't. some of them didn't, and that's very annoying. Texas looking at you assholes also Georgia and Oregon you guys are better than that um you you coaching staffs are better than that um so go ahead and check any of those out uh we just don't have the time uh to do that on this show but he was recently named the starter on there um sounded like he was pretty good this offseason there for them and I think the loss of uh, Trayvon Rudolph here for the season their leading wide receiver basically means they're like they ran the ball a lot last year they're gonna run the ball a lot this year they don't really have a choice they're playing eastern Illinois uh, and down the stretch last year, Ontario Brown's last couple of games, five for 77 and two, 14 for 75, 12 for 105 and one. Uh, and honestly, the game before that, he was three for 71 and one. Like the guy's been very efficient. I want to see what he looks like with more volume here. I could easily see him 15 to 20 carries, 150 ish plus yards and a couple of touchdowns. I think that's that's actually a pretty likely scenario for him. So I'm starting Ontario Brown with a ton of confidence this week. Well, I see your Northern <laughs> Illinois running back, and I raise you a Northern Illinois running no. back. I am starting Harrison Whaley oh. this week. I'm also starting Ontario Brown for the record. But I just do, thought do that you, was. A, do you want? Do you want to say NIU running backs? Because for the people that don't know, this gets us in some can, trouble yeah. sometimes. And yes. I actually have one or two of them on here where we'll just be start oh, all I of the too. wide receivers, and then uh, all of a sudden that doesn't hit because one guy doesn't do anything. So. Yeah. Be careful. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to say all of them, okay. um, but I'm starting Harrison Whaley this week. I'm starting Ontario Brown for sure. Uh, I thought he was a little too obvious given that he was named a starter without the or tag, but it's week zero. It's week one. I'll let you warm up with something like that. Um, Harrison Whaley is also very good. Um you know, in the games where he received more than, thank you. In the, in the games last year where he received more than 20 carries, he had 27 carries for 144 yards and one touchdown against Georgia Tech, 26 carries, 179 yards, and two touchdowns against Wyoming. Crapped the bed against Michigan, but it was Michigan. Um, 23 carries, 130 yards, one touchdown against Maine. And then he was hurt. Um, so, you know, didn't really play the rest of the year there. He was injured, comes back, Ontario Brown's leading the team there. But NIU runs the ball so much, and they're going to split work with these two that you can start them both confidently this week against Eastern Illinois, who is an FCS team. Um, yeah, so uh, we got both we got both uh, NIU running backs on the board here. Start Chase Brown. And we talked a little bit about this earlier. Uh, no McRae this week. They play Indiana conference game, obviously a step up in competition from last week, but I think Indiana is going to be a not so great team this week. And Illinois, as we saw, like Tommy DeVito, he completes like 40 passes for like a hundred yards. Like he's not a good quarterback. <laughs> he's better than what they had last year, which is saying something. Um, but this offense can only score if, if Chase Brown does. So if they're, you know, two, three touchdowns, don't be surprised if Chase Brown has all of them. Uh, my next start here is, uh, the Akron running backs. Oh, we got saying one. Okay. Both, I'm saying both of them because Akron is one of those schools that has not released a depth chart yet, or at least not that I have found. So I don't know whether uh, Cam Wiley or um, John Zell Norrells is going to be listed as a starter. But I 
don't really think it matters. They play St. Francis of PA, not a good team. Um, and I think with Joe Moorhead under center, this team is going to be better offensively. They're definitely going to be able to run the ball. That's what Joe Moorhead does. I It'll be very, very interested to see who gets the most carries this week. But if there's any week where you can start one of them with confidence, it's this week. So I would start either one of Wiley or Norrell's if you have them. Next up for me, this is this is my boldest one. I should have saved it for last. You should have. I'm starting Ramon Jefferson if I have him this week. Ooh, the running okay. back for Kentucky. Now, they did release a depth chart today, and he was listed as second on the depth chart. But I read a couple articles on 24-7 sports over the past week or two that basically said that it's it's basically identical between him and Cavassier Smoke, who was listed as the starter. They're both going to get a ton of carries this week. Uh, no Chris Rodriguez, remember, he uh, has a suspension here, so he's not playing. Um, and Kentucky just is like, they're, uh, like most of these teams, they're not playing anybody. I think both of those running backs might get 20 touches or close to it. Um, so I, I like Ramon Jefferson again. These are supposed to be deep. You might not mm-hmm. have Ramon Jefferson. And if you have other options, I'm not saying to start him over them, but I do think he hits 20 points this week. Ramon Jefferson or Travion Henderson, go. <laughs> well, when you take into account that uh, Travion. Um, so my guy is not quite as bold here. Um, it's Isaiah Bowser running back UCF. UCF is going to run the ball. It's what they do well. Isaiah Bowser did it well last year when he was healthy. Um, the reason I say definitely start Isaiah Bowser, he made my list here, is because he was listed on their depth chart with an or. Tim or Johnny Richardson. I'm not letting that scare me off. I'm still pretty confident in Isaiah Bowser. Uh, they play South Carolina State. Not a good team. They're an FCS team. They're going to be able to run all over them. Uh, I've, I'm starting Bowser with confidence this week. He's not the best pass catcher. So, you know, um, that doesn't help in PPR. But going over 100 yards and a touchdown wouldn't surprise me at all. At least one. Oh, okay. At least one. You heard it here first. Um, next up for me, I'm starting Malachi Corley and David Davis if I've got them. We just talked a lot about we like those two moving forward. We said they're probably going to be matchup dependent uh, this offense. And guess what the matchup is this week, guys? It's Hawaii. <sighs> we just talked about how Mike Wright probably just had his best game of the season there against them. Austin Reed very well may do the same. Uh, I think both I would expect both of them to have um, you know over 100 yards and then you know maybe it, add a touchdown on to good for good measure at least for both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I, I like the the call for both of them. Um my next start here is Micah Kelly running back for Toledo. Uh there's been a lot of people out there hyping up Penny Boone, the Maryland transfer to Toledo this offseason, but he wasn't even listed on that roster. Um, unless I missed him somewhere, he was not listed anywhere. Micah Kelly listed as the sole starting running back for Toledo. I don't expect him to be Bryant Kobach from last year, who was very, very productive, but I think he's going to be really good this year, especially for CFF purposes. And they play long Island this week. So wheels up Micah Kelly. 
Uh, next up for me is Zay Flowers, wide receiver, Boston College. I've been a pretty big uh, hater on Zay Flowers overall as a pro prospect, but when he is paired up with Phil Jerkovic, they 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 tend to produce pretty well together. Uh, I had a bunch of big games with him last year. Uh, he gets Jerkovic back healthy here. They play Rutgers, who I don't think is a particularly good team. I think they will see a slight uptick in passing volume this year there with Frank Signetti out the door. Um I, I think he goes back to being the go-to guy there. And a, a fairly nice week for him in PPR, I think, is coming. Yeah, I like that one. Um, my next start here is Emery Jones, quarterback for Arizona State. Transfer from Florida. Look, it's it's very easy to hate on Emory Jones. You know, I don't think he's a very good quarterback. But he is a good fantasy quarterback. He brings a lot with his legs. I really question how good this Arizona State team is going to be. Uh, the offense is not looking like it's going to be great. They've had a mass exodus at wide receiver. I think Emory Jones is going to be the focal point of this. You know, he's going to bring something with his legs here, and they play Northern Arizona. So I'm firing up Emory Jones this week. Next up for me, Kalen LeBorn, running back at Marshall. Uh, we didn't talk a ton about it here. Um, Rasheen Allier, uh sitting out. Uh, with some different issues, uh, unclear when exactly he'll be back to the team, although it sounds like he'll be back at some point this year. Um, his backup is Kellen LeBourne. Um, name might be familiar to you, a former five-star back. He was at Florida State for a couple of years, went Juco, uh, bounced around a little bit. Now he's at Marshall. Um, they lose Grant Wells. Like They don't have a lot on this offense to lean on. I think they're going to have to lean on that run game. I think uh, LeBourne gets the bulk of the carries this week, and they're playing Norfolk State. I mean, this should be a game that you know Marshall – Probably not going to be as good as last year. They might only win three or four games. This should be one of them. So you'd have to think that being out in front, that game script that LeBorn has himself a nice day. Yeah, like that call. Um, my next guy that I'm starting here is Jalen Daniels. Um, not Jaden Daniels, Jalen Daniels, quarterback for Kansas. Uh, he was named the starter. He There wasn't even an or there. It was very clearly him. He played well down the stretch last year. Another guy who brings something with his legs. They play Tennessee Tech. Uh, this feels like if you when you're when you're gonna start Jalen Daniels, it's a week like this. Especially because the running back depth chart was an absolute nightmare with four different oars. So Jalen Daniels, fire him up. I could see that. Um, I have a quarterback here, Shevin Cordero, quarterback San Jose State. I mean, they play Portland State. It's as simple as that. Probably gonna be a pretty decent offense. You have Cordero too. You give me a look. Yeah, I have Cordero too. That's right. We can have the same player because we don't see these lists ahead of time. Yes. So. Yes. Um, yes. I also have Shevin Cordero. Same deal. They play Portland State. Um, our own uh, Ethan Sowers thinks Shevin Cordero could be a top three quarterback this year. That was his hot take uh, over on our Instagram. Um, check us out over there. We're always dropping, you know, some hot takes, some tips, everything like that. So just another way for you to get more content from us. But yes, they play Portland State. And I think Shevin Cordero is going to be a start most weeks, but just getting his name out there now. Yeah. Um, Central Pennsylvania stand up there. Um, John Reese Plumley. You have John Reese Plumley calling? I do not. Oh, cool. Okay. So there you go. We got different again. Uh, South Carolina State, for all the same reasons, basically, we're talking about all these guys. Bad opposition, opening game of the season. He's a big rushing threat. I think he'll have a nice game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. Uh, my next guy, Hunter Deckers. Um, quarterback Felix. for Iowa State, Felix. Um, just you know, dial it back a little bit. You know, I'm sure that the pants got a little tight there when I mentioned this, but 
they play Southeast Missouri State. So not a good team. Hunter Deckers is a threat with his legs. Um, you know, we'll see what he ends up being with his arm. Um, that's kind of to be seen, but this isn't a defense that's going to be any good. So I think he can throw for some yards, he can run for some yards. He'll probably have a rushing touchdown in there as well. Uh, I feel good about Hunter Deckers this week. Uh, Chris Thornton, wide receiver, JMU. I think he's a start this week. They play Middle Tennessee. Um, I'm interested to see what this James Madison offense looks like as a whole, but we think they have some players that we like. Uh, I can get being skeptical on him, uh, you know, their first game as a uh, FBS team. Um, so if you have other options, I'm, I'm not starting him over them, but I, th- I think he would be serviceable if you if you're in a pinch already and you need a guy. Yeah, that's actually exactly a scenario that I have. I'm, I'm starting him in a league this week. Um, make, uh, make, make God look over whatever that roster looks like. <laughs> what have I seen this team? I, is it a league we're in together? Can I go look at it? Um, I'll have to look and see exactly which one it was, but I set my rosters last night and I know I put him in my flex. <laughs> oh boy. Felix said he's, speaking of which we have to talk about this. Did you see Felix tweeted out today that he's starting Omari Huggins, Bruce in multiple leagues? Yeah. Yeah. And you said, what do those rosters look like? <laughs> you better be starting 30 guys. If you're starting Amari Huggins Bruce this week, guys, I'm sorry. I, I For anybody say- doesn't know big athletic raw re- or he's not that yeah. big. He's an athletic receiver for Louisville. Yeah. He's like not done anything in his college career. That's yeah. why like, he's not a guy that I'm starting for CFF. I think the Chris, the league I'm starting Chris Thornton. And I want to say is the league where we're, we start 13 players. Um, there's like six or seven flexes. So it's, well, it's a very more reasonable. Okay. Yeah, it's a very deep one. Um, but I, my last guy here, um, I'm starting Henry Parrish Jr. Running back for Miami. Uh, you highlighted him in your bold predictions column. Uh, check that one out. That's up on the website. Uh, Austin does his 10 bold predictions here. It was, it's very entertaining read. Uh, But Henry Parrish Jr. is really the last healthy running back there for Miami, at least in turn, at least running back with some size. Um, Trevante Citizen was impressing, but he's hurt. Uh, Don Chaney Jr. still out. Uh, I don't really think that much of Thad Franklin. Uh, So that leaves Henry Parrish and Jalen Knighton. Uh, You know, I think uh, Henry Parrish is just going to handle the bulk of the carries. They play Bethune Cookman um, firing him up this week. Last one for me, Tay McWilliams, running back from Baylor, recently announced today uh, he is the starter there. Um, nice. So uh, probably get some decent uh, volume against Albany. All right. Um, so just to quickly read off our 10, uh, Colin, uh, go ahead, read off your 10. I'll do mine, and then we'll, we'll head to the sits. Uh, Jalen McMillan, Akron running backs, Cam Wiley and Johnzo Norrells, Isaiah Bowser, Micah Kelly, Harrison Whaley, Emery Jones, Jalen Daniels, Shevin Cordero, Hunter Deckers, Henry Parrish Jr. And for me, uh, Ontario Brown, Chase Brown, Ramon Jefferson, uh, Malachi Corley slash David Davis, Zay Flowers, Kalen LeBourne, Shevin Cordero, John Reese Plumley, Chris Thornton, and Tay McWilliams. All right, over to the sits here. We're going full homer with this one. Sit your WVU wide receivers, suckas. Guess what? Pitt's winning by at least two scores this week, and it's the backyard brawl. I unfortunately will not be there. makes me very sad, but I will be at home, and I will drink a bunch, and I will watch it on (laughs) TV anyway, and I will yell when WVU does something bad. Um, I do think Pitt's pass defense, Pitt's defense as a whole, is going to be very good this year. 
I think West Virginia, uh, they bring back a lot of their offensive line and it's not a bad offensive line, but Pitt's D line will overwhelm some of the best of them. Like it's just a very good front seven. I think they'll make it very difficult and uncomfortable for JT Daniels back there. Who's not exactly known as a guy that's going to move around a lot and kind of evade the pass rush. I think he's going to struggle um, for time. And I think he's just going to, I think the whole passing attack kind of struggles. I think the whole offense struggles. Um, I mean, it's a rivalry game, so anything can happen. But really, like, I think Pitt's a like a 14-point a, a better team at least here at, at Pitt. Yeah, I like that call. I'm just hoping JT Daniels makes it through the game healthy. There's a um, scenario. There's a lot of scenarios where he does not. But if I you know. read on him, you know. I'm so, very aware. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, my first sit here, we're starting out really spicy. Now, I, I I accidentally put the first couple of these on the show sheet because I forgot last year that we weren't looking at them. So Austin saw a couple of them. Did you see any of my sits? Any? Did you remember any of them? I remember. No, I, uh, you had a quarterback on this here. name would have this name would have stood out. I'm sitting Lou Nichols this week. I'm also sitting with Nicholas. This week. <laughs> uh, well, I'm saying we're starting spicy, but I'm sitting Lou Nichols this week against Oklahoma State. Uh, look, Oklahoma State last year was ranked second in value drive rate from Football Outsiders, first in first down rate. They were the number two defense overall behind just Georgia. This is a very, very good unit. Now, they do lose Jim Knowles. And they do only have a 40% returning production from uh, Bill Connolly. But they return a lot of very good pieces. They return um, freshman of the year, uh, Colin Oliver, who was just an absolute monster last year. They bring in Derek Mason as the new defensive coordinator, uh, who is very good in his own right. He had a failed stint at uh, Vanderbilt as a head coach, but as a defensive coordinator, pretty highly regarded. So I don't think this team is going to lose too much on the defensive side of the ball, I think this will be another good defense. Um, you can fire Lou Nichols up pretty much any other week, but I'm sitting him on this one. Um, yeah, I also have have him down for basically the same reasons. I know he's got some some reasonably high props that I would also be taking the under on. I don't know where those lines are at anymore, but they were at 100. So, uh, yike. Don't, don't like that. Oof. Um, well, it kind of took the wind out of my sails there on that one. I felt bold on that, but. Uh, what, the next what one, Lou Nichols did poorly against Power Five competition last year, right? Or like wasn't like probably amazing. So it's not like you know. Yeah, but everybody's hyping up Lou Nichols. Okay. He might end up being the RB one for CFF, just not this week. No, uh, yeah, I don't then, know if you read my bull. I don't know if you read my bull predictions article, but I said no. I said yeah. No. Who did? I'm sorry. Who did you say? Can you just remind me? Tavion Thomas. I don't think that was it. Nate Marquise's guy, Zach Charbonnet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. Anyway, my next sit here uh, is also a little bit bold. Uh, I'm sitting Grayson McCall, quarterback, Coastal Carolina. They play Army this week. Army is very middle of the pack um, in terms of defense, uh, but their offense is very, very slow. 82nd in plays per game. They're going to slow this ball down. They're going to run the ball uh, a lot, and they're probably going to try and keep the ball out of his hands, McCall's hands. And something else that I think is interesting uh, about this game, Army's defense practices against the option every single week. Now, Coastal Carolina doesn't run exactly the option, and they don't run exactly what Army does, but it is a very option-heavy attack. 
I could see Army being used to this and really limiting him. Now, I still think Coastal Carolina wins, but I think you have better options than Grayson McCall this week. Um, yeah, interesting one there. I have uh, Drake May. I'm sitting Drake May this week. I want to see this entire offense against a, no offense, Florida A&M fans, like a real defense. Sorry, are there are um, Florida A&M fans listening? There could be. There could be. Um, they, the, the weapons are all still young. The offensive line was very poor. Um, I'm skeptical, like, as a whole, this offense, um, without any experience there at quarterback. Drake May is going to have to grow up very quickly. Um, so I'm sitting him this week. I am also sitting Drake May this week. Oh, man. Same thing. Um, just pretty – I need to see it against a actual opponent. Sorry, Florida and AIM fans, the one that's listening. Go Rattlers. Um, but App State is a good – is a pretty good G5 team. Um, and Drake May doesn't bring much with his legs. So he's going to really have to get it done with his arm. I want to see it first. Um, next up for me then is Keaton Mitchell, uh, Eastern Carolina. <laughs> you also have Keaton. Mitchell. No, I don't. But I uh, uh, just what you say about him uh, from last year. Wait, what about him? Well, I mean, go go into your reasoning. I'm sure it's very very similar to what you have last year. I just think it's actually a pretty decent rush defense that they play this week, and uh, NC State has a pretty good front seven. Like I think they were a top 25 rush defense last year. They bring it all back. Um, so I'm, I'm not starting him this week. Okay. Well, usually you say he's, um, he's really good against explosive. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a place. Um, and I think NC state will do a good job of limiting that. So yeah. I like that call. Um, my next sit here is little bit of a Homer play, but I still stand by it. I'm sitting Aiden don't, O'Connell. No, don't say it. Don't say it. I disagree with that so much. Sitting Aiden O'Connell this week. Penn State was a top 10 defense last year from football outsiders. They were fifth in uh, touchdown rate allowed. This defense is healthy now. Um, you know, they went, they got banged up down the stretch last year. They're healthy. They have a strong secondary. Um, you know, Joey Porter Jr. is, he takes some chances as a, as a prospect, but he, or as a corner, but he is pretty highly regarded as a prospect. I've seen him floated around and back into the first uh, they have uh, Kalen King from last year, uh, who really impressed some people at corner as well. They lose Brisker, but they bring in um, Jair Brown, uh, who come from, came from the same school. He's been impressive. The secondary is is pretty good this year, and Aiden O'Connell brings nothing as a rusher. It's all got to be on his arm. You bring nothing as a rusher, bro. I probably bring just as much as Aiden O'Connell does. I've um, seen I've seen you rush. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, point is I'm not starting Aiden O'Connell this week. Oh yeah. Well, jokes on you. I'm not starting Mario Williams this week. It's nothing to do with it. Um, but hear me out. Hear me out. USC, I think we'll get out early against rice. Um, they had, uh, a pretty poor uh, defense last year, but specifically they had a well against all of it, but they had a very poor rush defense too. And I think USC can get out ahead. I think they can just grind this game. They can run the ball. Uh, they can rotate a couple of those guys, keep Caleb Williams, mostly fresh, keep some of these receivers, mostly fresh. And contrary to popular belief, Lincoln Riley likes to run the ball past four seasons. His, his splits 34, 31 rush to pass 2020, 38 to 32 rush to pass. 
2019, 40 to 27 rush to pass, and 2018, 37 to 28. That the rush was the higher number on every single one of those. Uh, I think they'll they'll do something similar again this year. Uh, and I think Rice is the kind of opponent where you just get out, you put it in cruise control, uh, and you'll you live to fight another day. Uh, I am sitting Joshua Simon this week. Uh, oh, I've yeah, been, little faith, Colin. I've been one of his biggest proponents. Um, I've been one of his biggest proponents. And, you know, for what it's worth, I probably don't have a better option in, in some leagues because I, I was taking him as my tight end one. They do get Hawaii, uh, not a very good team, but he was basically a zero in that offense last week. He earned one target. I expect him to be more involved this week. I don't think he's going to have a dud of a week, a zero of a week like he did last week. But I don't think you're going to want to start him this week. Uh, next up for me here. And I know this isn't that bold, but I think uh, people are going to be tempted. The Clemson passing attack, I'm sitting. I know they play Georgia Tech. That's usually a game where they they get up pretty easily, but I think they're go. We're going to see some action out of their three running backs. That uh, I think that you know they might all see twenty touches this game. I, I think they'll again kind of like USC, except for their quarterback isn't good. They'll get up and kind of go into cruise control. So I I'm not starting. I'm I know some people who still kind of like DJ. You would be tempted by him. I'm not doing it. I'm not starting any of the receivers in Gata, any of the Collinses, EJ Williams. Not starting any of those guys. I would start the running backs. Um, specifically Shipley and maybe Mafa, but uh, I, I'm not touching this passing attack. And even if they have a good game and I'm wrong, I still will need to see a game or two out of these guys before I'm. They they might get up and we see Klubnik too. Like we might not, we might get like 15 passes out of DJ. We I honestly don't know. Yeah, no, I like that call. Um, my next sit here, um, I'm sitting everybody on Missouri, everybody. Now, they play Louisiana Tech this week, so not particularly a daunting opponent. Um, but I don't really believe that much in Cook. I don't really think he's going to provide much fantasy. Brady Cook, the quarterback, I don't think he's going to provide you much fantasy value um, on a week-to-week basis. I don't think he's that great. I have no idea what this backfield is going to look like. Uh, it was like a three-way or on the depth chart, so I don't feel confident starting any of these guys. Um and then Luther, Bur- Luther Burden is the only one that I might want to start, but this is his first college game ever. It's not a tough matchup, but I'm just a little bit hesitant to start a true freshman in week one um, on a team where I don't really love the quarterback play. So I'm sitting everybody in Missouri this week. I'm sitting Garrett Schrader this week against Louisville. Last year against Louisville, 10 for 18. For 46 yards and then he ran 20 times for 43 yards i think louisville it helps them a lot because they've got cunningham that they go up against in practice every week every day um so the rushing quarterback doesn't necessarily throw them off but just listen to how he did against acc schools last year guys 13 for 23 for 150 yards 15 for 27 17 for 37 16 for 34 5 for 14 10 for 18 against Louisville is actually one of his more accurate days. Eight for 20 against North Carolina state. Um, he just was like really bad against decent competition last year. I think that continues. Um, I, uh, I expect him to have a very poor day. So I, I would not start Garrett Schrader. Yeah. I actually have Schrader listed as a sit as well. Oh, um, we go. Like you said, he was just bad against good teams. 
and really bad against Louisville too. Like, like you said, they just kind of have, they practice against a better version of Garrett Schrader every single week. I think they can limit him. Yeah. They don't need a scout team quarterback for that. They just put Cunningham out there. Um, so I'm sitting Jaron Hall this week too, then actually uh, quarterback from BYU. So I saw uh, a tweet today that it sounds like Puka Nasua and Gunnar Romney are both out. Mm. No idea what he's going to throw to. If those two guys are out, I think uh, BYU, they play USF, but I think they'll struggle a little bit without his top two targets there at wide receiver. So I'm sitting Jaron Hall this week and the coach was very ambiguous as to like when those guys will be back either. So Jaron Hall could be a guy that maybe sits for, or, you know, you're not really starting him for a few weeks here. Uh, I am sitting everybody in the Oregon and Georgia game. Oh, oh man. I can't wait for one guy to break like an 80 yard touchdown run and just ruin your day. It's probably what's going to happen. Um, but I think this is going to be a defensive slugfest. I mean, it's, it's Dan Lanning versus Kirby smart. You know, Dan Lanning was, was on that staff last year. He knows that defense uh, Kirby, on the other hand, knows Dan Lanning. There's a lot of familiarity here. I think this game is going to be pretty low scoring. Um, I don't particularly love either of these quarterbacks. Uh, or, or Georgia has some injury issues at the running back position, potentially with Kendall Milton. We don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, we don't really ever necessarily want to start Georgia passing options, nope. except for maybe Bowers. But Bowers, is it's like a four-way tight end split this year. Um, and then I, do you ever want to start anybody against Georgia's defense? So I'm sitting everybody in this game. No, fair enough. I'm sitting KJ Jefferson quarterback at Arkansas there. They play Cincy this week. I'm slightly worried about the effectiveness of this Cincy off or this, uh, Arkansas offense overall. They lose Traylon Burks, who was just like the bailout machine there for, uh, KJ Jefferson. They have, uh, they bring in, um, uh, Jaden Hasselwood from Oklahoma. And then we think we kind of like some of the other pieces on that offense, you know, the train train Knox, who's now a tight end. We kind of like Keetron Jackson, who's in his second year there. We kind of like Isaiah Setegna, the true freshman speedster, but none of them kind of fit the mold of what Burks did there with KJ Jefferson's issues as a passer at times. I think he kind of needs Burks to bail him out quite frankly. So I think Jefferson, he'll still get a little bit on the ground, but since he has a decently stout defense, I, uh, I worry about him. I, I'm, I'm, this is not a soft matchup at all. Um, so I'm not starting him this week. Yeah, I actually, I've, I'm sitting Raheem Sanders this hmm. week. Um, okay. Again, a lot of the same similarities there that you mentioned, uh, you know, this is not a easy matchup. Uh, you know, if if there's one thing that we feel good about with Cincy, it's I think their defense is going to be good again this year. Um, you know, and then I question this offense's effectiveness all year long as well without Traylon Burks. Uh, Raheem Sanders was listed. Uh, the only depth chart that I was able to see had Raheem Sanders slash AJ Green. Now it looked like it was just a two deep, so it could be Raheem Sanders as the starter. Um, or it could also be an or, but either way, they have plenty of other effective backs, whether it's AJ Green, um, Rashad Dubinian. Um, I don't think Dominic Johnson's going to be back yet, but they have a stable of backs. They're going to rotate touches. KJ Jefferson is going to steal some touches. You'll have a better week to start Raheem Sanders. Johnson is back in practice just for the record. Okay. I don't know what he'll play this week. Um, last one for me, I'm sitting the Colorado State passing attack. We're very excited about them. Clay Millen there leading the charge. 
uh, Tanner Arkin at tight end, Stovall, uh, Horton, some of these other guys at wide receiver. Um, if they play Michigan. I think their O line is going to be overmatched. I think it'll it'll kind of be over from there. I think Colorado State really struggles this week, um, and so I uh, I'm sitting all those guys. But I think they're going to be great options the most most of the rest of the year. Just this week, no cigar for me. I almost. I almost picked that too. The same thing. Like the whole, I was going to say the whole offense. Cause do we ever really want to start a running back from their team? Probably had, not. What, I think Vivens was Vivens. announced the starter today. That's interesting to me as a, he's a, he's yeah. a RB wide receiver kind of hybrid guy, but yeah. intriguing, um, but definitely not starting him this week. He's like, yeah, <laughs> everybody's dead. And it's, we, it's like the other four guys are on a bye. What do I do? Um, but the reason I didn't go with that is Michigan's secondary loses a good amount. Um, and they, you know, they, they lose some, some pass rush as well too. So, and all it takes is one, all it takes is one. Um, my last sit here is everybody on Arizona. Um, San Diego state is a good defense. They are a slow paced offense. Uh, so I don't know how many possessions Arizona is going to get. And I don't know how effective they're going to be with those possessions against this defense. They also have a lot of new faces there. There's a lot of freshmen that we like, um, you know, but I think this is going to take time. I'm not starting Jaden Delara either. You know, again, a new face here, new weapons. It's going to take a little bit of time with this offense. Yeah. So let's read off our Ken here, Colin. I'll go first. Uh, the WVU wide receivers, Drake may Keaton Mitchell, Mario Williams, the Clemson passing attack, Garrett Schrader, Jaron Hall, KJ Jefferson, Lou Nichols, and the Colorado State passing attack. I am sitting Lou Nichols, Grayson McCall, uh, Aiden O'Connell, Josh Simon, Drake May, Garrett Schrader, everybody on Missouri, everybody in the Oregon game, Oregon Georgia game, um, Raheem Sanders, and everybody on Arizona. All right. That is going to do it for this show, guys. Uh, we'll be back later this week with Canton Bound. Make sure you're checking out the podcast feed daily, multiple times a day. Got a ton of stuff dropping over there. The YouTube channel is bumping. Again, we'll be on the Waiver Wire show uh, tomorrow on uh, College Football Mornings on the YouTube channel. So it's basically going to be the same as the one we just did on here. But uh, yeah. in, in person form, you get to see our smiling faces. Um, so go check that out as well. Um, check out campuscanton.com. Everything we've got going on over there. Everybody you know, is in mid-season form. We've got a ton of stuff coming over to you. We will be on, uh, on the live show this week. We have one more really big announcement to make this week, actually. We're not going to do it on this show. Nope. Um, but it's really, really exciting. Um, and I think it will be really cool for, for college football and college fantasy moving forward. Um, but until uh, later in the week, guys, it can't bound. Uh, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.